I think it's very important that we are honest because how often does people come to view them on, you know, once in a lifetime, once every six months, once every three years, however that may be, every single time it's very important that the staff provides a better experience than than the than than the time before or the best experience ever. To my absolute astonishment, I have recorded more than 500 dirty linen podcasts. Thank you so much listeners and guests. Um, obviously could not and would not be doing it without you. To celebrate this milestone, I wanted to do something really special. So I'm spending a week speaking to the people who make Vudemond restaurant run every day. Uh, it's a really great opportunity to build a picture of a restaurant via the people who give it life. Uh, today, our guest is uh, Carlos Santos Samoas. Carlos is a master sommelier and he is a crucial part of the wine program at Vidimond. Carlos, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, hi, Danny. Hi, everyone. Um, thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, hi, good afternoon. How's everyone? Everyone is great and all the better for having you on the show. Carlos, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Vudemond. Yeah, uh, oh, it's been, it's been a, quite an amazing, amazing uh, journey. I mean, started eight years ago. Um, I was working, I was working in Paris before, and uh, that was my last job in Europe. And um, Hugo, which is the general manager at Viedemont, uh, you probably have spoken to him too. Um, so he 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 made this video of. Uh, um, the, the plaza downstairs in the Rialto and going all the way up to view the Mond and then the views at Louis Bar and the wine cellar. So uh, I was not super happy in Paris. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to Melbourne. I'm going to Australia. <laughs> and uh, and here I am. Yeah. So it's been eight years in, in the same venue. It's the longest I've, I've ever, um, I've ever uh, worked in any restaurant. So yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's so busy, so dynamic, always changing, always evolving, um, and keeps us. Yeah, keeps us fresh. I guess. Um, then wine wise, I mean, again, same thing. We there's so many uh, opportunity to to evolve with the wine list. There's so many new wines uh, all the time, and and then again, why not? You know, why not? At, why not? At, why not? At view the month because we can. Yeah. Well, it's certainly unusual to have um, two Portuguese brothers working at a restaurant in Melbourne and definitely a feature of the restaurant to have you both there on the floor as as so often happens. Tell us about um, your background, Carlos, about, you know, was wine already a part of your life in Portugal? Uh, well, it started, well, it's funny because, yeah, me, me and Hugo, um, so our grandfather uh, has a little vineyard. Um, well, he's, he passed away a few years ago, but he had a vineyard for all his life. So when we were growing up, um, I remember, you know, I don't know, being four or five years old, Hugo is three years old, younger than me. So, but I remember being in the vineyard and throwing him grapes. And grandpa being very upset. What are you guys doing? You're wasting my grapes. Uh, so, uh, so th that's that's the that's the first connection with wine. Um, and then sit, sitting at the table, my grandma is cooking uh, bread. I remember I remember uh, the smell of fresh bread at the table. And of course, there was always wine. 
Uh, I think I probably back then uh, may have had a couple of sips here and there, um, but but that was the only connection I think until a lot later with wine um, until I started hospitality school um, because I actually started very very early uh, working in restaurants. I was only eleven years old. Funny enough, um, started going in uh, after school after on a weekend and then on the holidays because I was so keen on buying these Nike shoes that I end up never buying because I I think I I I learned the value of uh, of work and the money. So uh, I did not want to spend that kind of money after all. Uh, so that was my mom's way to teach me, uh, like, well, you want something, you go and work for it. And then you will see that, um, probably you don't need them anymore. And so, and so, and so that was it. Uh, a few years after, yes, hospitality school. Um, and here I think is when I really had the first, uh, when I most felt impressed with wine, because my my teacher, and again, thanks to him, I think uh, he was he was a very very passionate guy, um, and he he used to work in cruise ships where there were huge wine lists, and I remember him talking about Lafitte Rothschild and Moton Rothschild and Domaine La Romane Conti, all those big wines. And that's, I remember, I, I remember taking notes and wanting to research about these wines. And I was, I don't know, 15, 16 this time. Um, and I think that was the first spark. Uh, and then obviously throughout these years, I was working in restaurants, Lisbon, uh, One Michelin Star, etc. Uh, and with wine list so-so, um, but I started giving the first steps, I think, here. And then... And then, yes, uh, Gordon Ramsay in London, that's when everything started really because the restaurant manager at this restaurant in Lisbon would say like, oh, if you want to be a serious sommelier, you got to work with, uh, with João Pires, which is the only master sommelier from Portugal, uh, which works at Gordon Ramsay in London. you got to work with him. Um, and I was like, yeah, perfect. That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> And uh, and then yeah, moved to London. Um, and then Ugo came along. I pushed him to come over. Uh, then we worked together at Gordon Ramsay, and then moved to dinner by Heston Blumenthal. That's where we spent another almost three years, I would say. I think uh, just under three years, maybe. Um, and then Ugo came along as well. Uh, and then the, for the first time ever, from out of every place we've worked together, me and Hugo. Uh, he took the first step to come to Australia uh, to come work at Vieux-de-Mont while I still decided to um, go first to um, Paris. I wanted to learn French and the French wine. I wanted to learn the French wine regions, get to know winemakers, etc. Uh, so I spent just a little bit under a year. But then again, Paris was so different after London. London has this vibe, this energy, restaurants, so busy, so so insane. Uh, I thought Paris was super calm, was super quiet. You know, that two and three Michelin star back, um, uh, restaurants that are almost so intimidating. And I was not used to it at all. So, yeah, only only just under a year. And then, yeah, and then the rest is history. I joined New Good Melbourne uh, a few months. Yeah. Wow. So with all that experience in restaurants at different levels, like where do you place Vue de Monde? Like how would you describe it in, in that context? You know, Vue de Monde, um, I, you know, when it comes to Michelin stars and stuff like this, I think Vue de Monde, um, 
it would be maybe like between two stars, one to two. You know, it's hard to say because it's so different. The concept is different. Um, the kitchen is open, is much louder. Um, the service is very relaxed. How we dress is very relaxed. I think just the whole atmosphere is so, so, uh, so. I think it's so relaxed. And I think against what sometimes people may think when they come to the restaurant that um, may be almost overwhelming. I think our job is really to make it so comfortable. And um, I, I would say, yeah, between one star and two stars, you know, I, I think three stars is just uh, all different level. And I think we would need um, maybe more, uh, a different type of service, maybe a different, you know, I, I, just, I just think the atmosphere is so relaxed and is so perfect as it is that I would not I would not want it to be a three star if that would be if that would be what we needed to. If someone would say we're a three star, I well by all means perfect, nice. But I don't think that's I don't think is a, a comparable ranking actually. So mm. I mean does it seem to you to be quite an Australian style of restaurant? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think that's why that what that's why it makes it so so nice, you know. Um I mean in my opinion I think uh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's relaxed, it's comfortable, it's loud, it's it's noisy. The 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 smoke, the the smell from the kitchen, is right there. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's what makes it special. You know, when we have this um, the uh, the damper going into the table, they smoke all over the room. I don't think I don't think that would be maybe too acceptable in many restaurants in Europe. You know. Um, but, but it just suits perfectly what I think Australia, what it is about the barbecue, you know, it's, uh, it's so, it's so enraged in, in the culture, I guess. Yeah. Carlos, what about the way that you, uh, serve wine to people and talk to people about wine? Do you think that you you, you do it differently here to the way it's done in Europe? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think it used to be, uh, you know, eight years ago when I started, when I arrived in Melbourne, I feel like maybe back then, yes, a little bit more. Uh, and funny enough, I think the culture, the 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 people's mind, the openness has just evolved a lot over these last years. I feel. Um, I remember so often uh, having, you know, a couple coming to the table and ordering a bottle of Shiraz to start with. You know, we having a tasting menu, and the first thing they can order is a bottle of Shiraz. Uh, we're starting with oysters and seafood, etc., and they go straight for the richest, the fullest body wine we have. Um, and I feel like over the last few years, uh, several years, you know, five, six years, um, four, five years, you know, people has changed a lot. People is really open-minded to try new things. Um, they not just go for the bottle of Shiraz as often and, and they've really, really open-minded to the wine pairing. So I'm not exactly sure how and why it changed so fast, I guess. Maybe MasterChef, maybe you know, TV shows. Um, however, however that that may have happened, but it's it's great. It's really really good. So I think it's way more people is way more open minded and so much closer to to the mindset that people in Europe has. I feel yeah. Mm, interesting. And I mean, if someone does order a wine that you feel is really just not going to be the best choice, like. 
how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's that's a very important question, which in fact you know happens happens almost every day. You know, uh, some people may start um, you know order either a bottle or a glass of Shiraz. He goes for the bottle. He goes for the glass, obviously. But you know, it happens quite often. Um, so you know, it's I think it's very important that we are honest because what we want. I mean, how many how often these people come to view them on, you know, once in a lifetime, once every six months, once every three years, however that may be, every single time is very important that the staff provides a better experience than, than, the, than, than the time before or the best experience ever. So I think it's really important that if we think we can make the experience better, it's really important that we actually say something. For instance, yeah, if someone say, well, yes, I want, I would like to start with a glass of Shiraz, then I would say, you look, I, Totally fine. I'll bring you the glass of Shiraz if you like. However, if I may, would you like me to recommend you something that I think will work really nice to start the meal with? Because we'll start with oysters, we'll start with um, with seafood, etc. So I would be very, very happy to to bring, even if it's just a little bit on the side. So I can you can have your glass of Shiraz if you like, but just something on the side that will help you enjoy at least the first couple of courses. And that's on me. And they will be so blown away, so happy that someone is doing something for them that they not they don't have to. Uh, I think that's that's the beginning of a relationship. Um, the guests will be like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" They will they will have that sip, they will have the first impression, and they will be like, "Oh, what should I have next?" That's what happens most often. And then you're already leading the guest by the hand and providing them an experience, I guess, a better experience than they would have if they just sit on that glass of Shiraz. Wow, so it sounds like a real, it's trust, isn't it? Yeah, that's true, it, it, 100%. I think, uh, you know, that some of our biggest uh, spenders, some of our most regulars, biggest spenders or less, less big spenders, doesn't really matter, but it's a, it's a relationship of trust, yes, that you, be, that you build with people, 100%. Yeah, so important. Um, we spoke with with your colleague Dorian about uh, these wine qualifications and the master sommelier status, which you also attained um, in 2019. Uh, he, he spoke. He talked about the process, and honestly, it's ex- extremely nerve wracking even to listen to what you need to go through to get that elusive qualification. But w- what does it mean to you? to put yourself through such rigors to be to to um be awarded the title of master sommelier um does it make you a better sommelier or is it something that's um is it bragging rights is it just a sense of personal achievement what's the motivation yes i mean look it's um i, I felt well uh, I always say like it, it, it wasn't that difficult uh, after after I passed, but obviously I forgot. Yeah, I, I I think I very fast forgot how how many hours and how much effort I put. But I feel like you know I was never a good student at school. I never never enjoyed going to school. I was you know I would just borderline pass every year, um, and. And my mom, every time I would tell her, look, I'm doing this, you know, I have to study, I have, I, I can't go on holiday right now, or this or that. And she would be like, why are you doing this? Like, you're never a good student. Why, why would you put yourself through this? <laughs> and, uh, and I just kept going because at the end of the day, it comes, as you said, yes, it's a, it's a, I think it's a personal, uh, a personal thing. You, and I'm very competitive, so, 
you know, from playing soccer at, uh, at a very young age and always being so, so, so everything that was sport, everything that was competition, I would be in. And, um, and I think that's, that's, that's one thing is that competitive side uh, more, I think more than, than, than having the title because the title, once you have it, it's, it's just a title, you know. Um, and you're not the better sommelier, you're not, uh, you are just someone that actually achieved this course, uh, that have passed every, every part of it. Yes, you probably way more prepared to answer to any question in the restaurant. Yes, you're probably more prepared to, to talk about wine, um, than, than many other people, but, uh, but you are, you know, you are the same person, you are the same, you are still a sommelier. And uh, and you should never, you know, you shouldn't take away from from being who you are in the restaurant, for example, and being humble. You know, um, that's that's very very important because at the end of the day, it's an exam that you pass, and anyone really can do it. The moment, uh, provided they are uh, ready to work very hard and study and taste and um, and and prove themselves. Yeah. But don't you reckon? I mean. When you say anybody could do it, I'm pretty sure I couldn't because I feel like it does, there is something in tasting and remembering. And I just don't know that my, I don't know if it's, is it training? Is it, is it tuning your, your senses and your brain to, to remember? Or do you think some people are just better at it than others? Yeah. You know, uh, Danny, I think you could, I think you could, um, <laughs> I'm sure you could. And, uh, and this is because I say this because, uh, again, I was never good at school. Um, and I went on to pass this, uh, this exam is just learn how to, how to, how to study, how to memorize things, how to learn, how to, how, yeah, how, how to retain. So basically for me, for example, I think Dorian, uh, to compare to Dorian, Dorian is, uh, I think he's a natural talent. He's very, very good taster. He doesn't need to put too much work. Uh, he's just, he, I think he's just got it. While as for me, for example, for tasting, I had to work a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, because my weakest point, I think it was the tasting. And I really, really had to put uh, more effort into the tasting because that's where I knew I was, I was, it was my weak side. So it was just about taste and taste and taste every day. I, I had this wine fridge at home with, uh, I don't know, I always had about 150, between 150, 170, 200 bottles of wine in the fridge and all on Cordava. So my partner at the time, she would uh, she she was in real estate. So she would wake up really really early and prepare me six wines at six a.m. And uh, when I wake up, because I would finish like one two a.m. at the restaurant. When I wake up nine ten a.m., I would uh, go in the desk, taste the six wines, and then figure out what I got right, what I got wrong. And I would go in the fridge, the ones I got wrong, and just taste again, uh, over and over again until until I would not get it wrong again. I would get to work and I would ask the guys at, at the restaurant to prepare me another six wines if they were not ready already because most of the times there was already someone already with six wines again. So it was just about uh, tasting and tasting and tasting over and over and over again and just really, the, the moment you smell something, it's like, okay, well, I know what this is just by the smell. Um, so that was, that was tasting, um, theory, theory is actually, 
uh, interesting because you probably heard of, you know, or, or seen people studying with flashcards, etc., and having huge hundreds and dozens, you know, of flashcards. I had them too. I had about like I think four thousand flashcards, and uh, each of them had one. Yes, 100%. Each of them had one or two, sometimes three questions. And then on the back, sometimes zero questions because I forgot to write the answer. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, was just, it was just so, so um, really hard to study with flashcards because the information is all spread all over the cards and is, everything is abstract because it's written. Uh, written and numbers, it's all abstract. So it's very, very difficult to memorize. And that's what I learned is that for the last year, I, I had to study with, uh, with memory techniques. So I would create memory palaces. <laughs> so it became very interesting because my, the street in where my mom lives, uh, it's, uh, it was a memory place. View the Monde was a memory place. My home was a memory place. The road to work was a memory place. So everything I could think of was a memory place for a different part of the world, uh, Spain, Portugal, Italy, etc., France, US, Chile, Argentina, South Africa. So every place, what I could think of was a memory palace, basically. And, uh, and then it's just add information, images and images of producers, of winemaking, of grapes, of, you know, whatever you could think of uh, that you needed to know, the soils, geography, rivers, geology, etc. And you would just add into these memory places by order, for example, north to south. And that is just, it just becomes so easy to, um, to memorize. So, Wow, the brain... And the senses are incredible. And it's so interesting that you find your own way through it. Um, yeah, it's, it's really it's really beautiful. Um, Carlos, what, do you, what, what happens behind the scenes with the wine program at Vudemont that we wouldn't know from visiting the restaurant? What are some of the, whether it's about the way you organise it or the way you train, like what are some of the mysteries? Oh, interesting question. Uh, I don't think I can answer though. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think, uh, for example, yesterday we had, uh, we had a wine tasting. So, you know, we have a supplier every week. We have two or three of those. We have a supplier coming in uh, the restaurant in the afternoon after everything is prepared. And the team sits around the table. Uh, we taste the wines. And if we see a fit for a wine in a wine pairing uh, in the menu, with uh, is not is we're not going to pick wines that we like we pick wines that we see fit with the food that is being served at the restaurant um because that's what makes sense for the guests obviously to have and to pay um uh, at, at the at the wine pairing so i think that's one very important thing other would be you know every now and then we you know we take the team out for for a for a dinner on monday for instance we went korean barbecue so that was the sommelier team hasn't happened in a while but uh, every two or three months you know it's important to uh, I think to be together and to discuss different things that are not work and just have fun, have a laugh. I think that's super important. So I think that's part of, um, I think that's part of building a team, you know, and, and being together and 
creating relationships that will reflect then into the guest because if everyone is against each other and everyone is fighting each other, it's very, very hard to work uh, in an environment like this. And I feel like the, the one of the reasons why we have such, um, or at least more uh, staff retention is, I think it's it's building, uh, building and nurture the team, yeah. Mm. And for someone who's never been to Voudemont and perhaps never even been to Melbourne, um, why would you tell them that they should come to the restaurant? <laughs> uh, well, I'd say, look, if it's not for the views, you know, uh, at least, you know, I think uh, what we do, I think is pretty, I think it's, I think it's very nice. I think it's very special. Um you know, uh, it's a it's a very buzzy restaurant, very energetic, uh, and I think the food is delicious. The wine pairing is great. I mean, the view is amazing. Sunset is beautiful. Make sure you book early table. You know, um, you know if that's not convincing, I think uh, I think you know nothing will be. But uh, but yeah, food, wine, uh, food, wine, and just the scenery experience. I think it's I think is amazing. Love it. Um, Carlos, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Um, always a pleasure to encounter you in the restaurant um, and really wonderful to learn a bit about you, you and what goes on behind the scenes. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.